parenting, toddlers. Proverbs 13, 14. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. When our babies started standing up by themselves, I knew they were processing information and learning. Just watching their expressions confirmed their desire to learn and frustration when they didn't get it right. This told me that their learning machine was functioning properly. What we learned is how much of a toddler's learning actually happens from observing others in what they do. So this hammered home the idea that everything our kids saw us do, good or bad, was filed away in their little brains as information and could be recalled just as fast as adults recall information. So this, to me, had pros and cons. The pros were our kids were sponges for information and ready to learn. The cons were we now had to really watch what we were doing so our kids didn't learn bad things from us. And I recall back in the 90s, we lived next door to a guy and his his son, who appeared to be about 10 years old. One day I heard his son yelling at somebody, and he said, I'm going to blister your butt. And it sounded really dumb for a little kid to say that, but that's what happens when you raise up kids. They begin to mimic you, and you'll be embarrassed when all of a sudden your kids are doing the same things you did, and you realize how stupid it was. So with this in mind, our toddlers were our sponges, and we wanted to fill them with everything we could that would allow them to grow into good kids and ultimately godly adults. So we did a few things that we discovered in our parenting research that really helped our kids grow up and learn godliness. So this is a list of some of the things that really worked for us, and I'm glad we did it. When I was a kid, I was never taught to address adults as Mr. or Mrs. We simply referred to the adult by their first name, and It wasn't a big deal to me because I didn't really know better, but it felt weird when I met an adult and had to address him without really knowing him or her. Saying their first name kind of felt awkward and caused me to be reluctant to even engage in a conversation with them. We taught our kids to always address an adult by Mr. or Mrs. or in the case of a relative, the appropriate, you know, aunt, uncle, grandma, whatever. And for the kids, this was their norm as they grew up. It didn't even phase them because that's what we taught them. And watching them interact with adults confirmed this was a good thing to teach our kids. They still refer to some of them as Mr. and Mrs. even to this day. And the adults appreciated it too, for the most part, when they were little. And and the ones that objected, you know, hey, don't call me Mr. Call me, that that just didn't work. You know, sometimes I have to say something like, hey, yeah, we're teaching our kids to say Mr. and Mrs. So don't take it personal, but I don't want them calling you by your first name. And it's proper for a little kid to call an adult Mr. or Mrs. And when they're toddlers, it's easy to teach them because they don't know the first names anyway. So that was a good move on our part, I thought. Another thing that we did is my wife and I got on the same page early on, and this is something we learned in this parenting class. You teach your children early on when they're little babies that when mommy or daddy says something, they obey. And it's not a big deal. You don't have to go crazy. You teach them. You don't force it upon them. You teach them that, hey, it's good for me to obey. When we asked our kid to do something and they would do something, we'd say, okay, thank you. And then we kind of reward them with, you know, a pat on the head or thanks, you know, and, and something nice. And they learned that when they obeyed, there was a positive response to it. And I've watched so many parents let their kids absolutely control them, even to the point where I saw a friend of mine one time in a social setting ask his kid, please, like two or three times to obey him. I couldn't believe it. The kid was in total control of the parents. And by this time, the kid was probably, I don't know, six, seven years old. By this time, to reverse that is really hard. So when your kids are toddlers, when they're little, you teach them that it's good to obey. You're not mean to them. You instruct them, when I say to do something, you do this. And then when they do it, you say, hey, good job, or thank you, or whatever. And it becomes embedded in their mind that obedience is actually a good thing. And when we asked our kids to do something in a social setting, they did it. And people are like, wow, your kids really listen to you. 
We taught them reasonably that it's good to obey mom and dad. When our kids were old enough to eat with a spoon, we taught them sign language. We discovered this was possible, and the three main words or signs that we taught them were please, thank you, and all done. So at the table, when they wanted something, they started grunting and whining. We would pick up the thing that they appeared to want and tell them to say please. And we showed them the sign for it. And then they would do it and we would give it to them. And that didn't take long to teach them. And then when they were done with something, we would ask them, are you all done? And if they were all done, and we knew it because you can tell, we taught them how to make the all done sign. And when they got something, we'd say, okay, what do you say? And they would say, thank you with the thank you sign. They did this and it was cool. And when other people would watch it, they're like, what are they doing? They're signing. Your kids are signing? Yeah. Watch this. Hey, you want some more? And they do their, (laughs) we're pleased. And the people that never seen this before thought our kids were absolute geniuses. But really, it's nothing. It's learning. And a baby, before they can talk, they are learning and they can do this. I didn't want my kid to be a little whiner at the table. And this helped out. And we eliminated the whining by teaching them sign language. As soon as our kids could throw something, I'd sit down and throw a foam ball or something else with them. I felt this was important to develop their hand and eye coordination. I didn't learn this from any of our parenting stuff. Rather, I thought it was a real good way to play with the kids and start developing that hand eye coordination. And with my son, when he was about three, somebody gave him this little wooden baseball bat that was a little over 12 inches long. It was more of a toy than it was a baseball bat, but it fit him perfect. So I took a piece of PVC pipe, the white sprinkler pipe, cut it down about three feet and took a golf ball and I screwed a small eye hook deep into the ball and then tied a string to the eye. And then I ran the string through the pipe and I held the string tight and lifted up the pipe so that the ball would dangle on the other end about three feet away from me. And I put it in front of him and told him to hit it. And he'd start swinging. He couldn't even come close, but it only took a little time. And all of a sudden he began connecting with that thing. And then as he did it, he began to develop some stance and some power. And it was awesome. You know, we just got and hit the ball. And when he would hit it, you'd kind of let go of the string and you had probably 20 feet of string left over and it would just zing out and it was that instant gratification and then you just kind of pull it back in and it worked out really good. But it was a fun way to spend time with him, encourage him, and then watch him hit the ball. And it worked out really good. He developed really good hand-eye coordination. Now, one of the things I never was taught as a kid was to shake hands. And I taught my son how to shake hands. And I don't recall if I taught our girls, but I wanted our son to be able to approach an older man or woman and shake their hand properly. And I remember vividly demonstrating this to him, showing him how to strike hands with a firm grip while looking at the person in the eye and smiling. And what's cool is about a week or so after I taught this to him, I introduced him to a man and he did exactly what he was taught. And the man was surprised and said, wow, that's a good handshake, son. For boys, I believe this is an important way to make a good first impression. It really frustrates me when I'm introduced to a young man and his mom or dad, they tell him to shake my hand, and when he does, it's like shaking a limp noodle. But when they give a firm handshake, it's an opportunity for me to compliment them, and this can start a good first impression. And they were small when we taught them this. And you reiterate it when they get to, you know, their older years, but when they're little, you teach them how to shake hands. Now, I've been riding bicycles most of my life. I love biking. And our son was about three when I taught him how to ride on two wheels. And this was a great experience. And I was such a proud dad that day that he finally got up and rode that bike by himself until I remembered that I had not taught him how to stop without training wheels. And I ended up sprinting after him, yelling at him to slow down as he just ripped down the bike path. And I'm not a runner, but it was cool because it was that bonding time 
and we instructed him in something, and he learned. And as parents, we need to understand that we are the most important teachers our kids will have. Our responsibility is huge as we prepare our kids for life. I refused to subcontract my kids' instruction to other people when I could do it myself. I wanted to set them up for success, and I didn't want to just have other people teaching them. That's all the teaching they got. I wanted to be a teacher for my kids. Another thing that really irritates me, and I see this every so often, it just drives me crazy, that is when someone has a toddler and they see us and they ask their toddler, they say, say hi, and the kid looks down and then moves behind the parent's leg and goes, uh-uh, I don't want to. The common response from the parent is, oh, they're shy. That is wrong. They're not shy. They're being disobedient. And they are manipulating the parents. And you can nip it in the bud at that age, or you can have a little disobedient manipulator as a kid. The parent just told him to say hi, and they said, no, I'm not going to obey you. And that just irritates me. So we didn't allow our kids to do that. We spent time teaching them to obey mom and dad, and we never had a problem with our kids not saying hi to someone when we introduced them. And they never grabbed our leg and kind of hid behind us. They never did that. We never allowed our kids to disobey us and embarrass us like that. And it's very disrespectful to the person because now they have to look like an idiot and go, oh, okay, oh, you're shy, yeah, okay. Much of our learning as parents came from watching others raise their kids and the ones that did good things we noted and the ones that did bad things we also noted, but we wanted to avoid those. And the thing that I saw that really impressed me was when a parent would ask their kid to do something or tell them to do something, you know, whatever the tone was had to be for that moment, the kid would just do it with what we called a happy heart. We'd always say that to our kids, you know, you need to have a happy heart. And when those kids responded promptly, so mom or dad would tell them to do something, they would stop and they'd go do it and they would obey. There was no whininess. There was no ignoring them. There was no arguing. They just did it. No problems. It was just smooth. It was like seamless. And then you have the other parents that have to sit there and have a debate with their kid over everything they say. Go do this. I don't want to. Look, go do it now. I don't want to. And it's just, you're watching these little kids punk out their parents left and right. We didn't allow our kids to do that from the very beginning. We would tell them to do something and we were nice about it. And we said, okay, let's do this. It just became a way of life. But when they started arguing with us, we would take them to the other room and have a talk with them. And they would come out. They would do what it was we told them to do. We didn't allow them to sit there and disobey us. Realistically, when you are a parent and your little children are learning from you, a lot of their bad habits, the parents have taught them those bad habits by not instructing them. And I've watched kids do this to their parents and my head about exploded. I'm like, what are you doing allowing your kid to totally disrespect you and make a spectacle of you? So we didn't allow that to happen. When the time was approaching to get ready and go from someplace, say it was a friend's house or whatever, we would tell them, okay, you guys, you have five minutes. And what that did is that allowed us to get our things ready and it allowed them to finish playing. And then at the end of the five minutes, okay, let's go. And it gave them a sense of, okay, we got five more minutes. We need to play hard for the next five minutes. And then when we were done, they were like, okay, we're done. But when you just spring it on them, you know, okay, let's get ready to go. And they're like, well, to go, you know, but you don't give them any forewarning. And we found that was very helpful. And the five minute preparation for their little mind to say, okay, I can play for a few more minutes and then we're getting ready to go. It worked out really, really well. And as a result, we would tell our kids five minutes, 
all the way up to their teenage years. We get ready to go and say, hey, five minutes, all right? Okay. It just became a regular thing that, hey, you got five minutes, wrap up what you're doing, and then we're going to head out. And that was very helpful. I think it's respectful to the kids too. You're giving them that final moment to wrap up their playtime or whatever they're doing so that they can be prepped. It worked out good. I'm glad we did that. Also, one of the things that we did, and I think this came from the advice of some wise parents. I don't remember where we learned it from. But when your kids start acting up in a store and you've got a basket full of groceries or whatever, and you tell them, we're going to leave if you do not stop, and they keep going, pick the kids up, leave the cart there in the aisle, and take them home. We did that only a few times, and they're like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. They were acting up. They were acting like little brats at times. And it's like, okay, we're going. I don't want to go. You know, Nope, we're going. It's a whole lot better than having a bratty kid screaming and yelling and throwing a fit in the store. And I think everybody can relate to seeing that parent walking down the aisle completely oblivious as their kid is throwing a fit. What are the issues? Are they hungry? Do they have a tummy ache? Do they have a dirty diaper? Address their needs. But if they're just being bratty, pick them up, leave the cart, go out into the car and be gone. You're good to go. And that set a tone for our kids in the store. Another thing that we did while they were in the store, we would allow them to look at the toys when we were in the toy aisle and they could pick up a toy and they could look at it. And when they looked at it and they kind of examined it, if they wanted to look at another one, they had to put that one back. We coached them on that. That worked out really well because they knew as we walked down the aisle, they could touch the toys rather than say, don't touch that. You know, no, let them touch it. It's okay. You know, certain toys, you know, obviously they weren't unwrapping them or anything, but we let them touch one toy, look at it. And if they wanted to look at another one, they had to put the other one back. And it trained them to be respectful in the store. It worked out well. You know, we always pray at the table and at night with the kids when they go to bed. That's something we just did. Not because somebody told us or we were trying to bribe God. Rather, we are truly thankful for our life we have in Jesus compared to our life before coming to know him. So the kids pick up on this. And at the table, when they were too young to talk, they would still put their little hands together and close their eyes. And when you wanted some entertainment, you'd open your eyes during prayer and watch them as they're sitting there squeezing their little eyes together and they're opening them up, kind of looking around. And if they made eye contact with you and you gave them the eye, they're like, (coughs) and they shut their eyes real quick. It was pretty funny. Nothing really saying you have to close your eyes during prayer, but it's just a good thing to do when you're at a table. And as they learned to talk, we would have them pray on occasions. Didus. Thank you for food. Amen. You know, so cute. But getting them engaged in prayer early on makes it a lot easier for them to develop a prayer habit, giving thanks for what they have. And and I'm glad we did that. We also found Bible verses that were put to music. And we would sing them with our kids when they were little. It was fun. They learned more verses. And so did we. It's amazing how much you can learn when you read a kid's Bible or when you're singing these verses. Some of these are really good. Some of them are real cheesy. But if you get online or on your phone music store and look for singing the word or singing the Bible or something like that, you can find different groups that do this and listen to them and you can download them. And when everyone's packed in the minivan, it's fun to sing these when they're little. As they get older, it's like, this is dumb. But when they're little, you're putting that in their mind because remember, they're still learning and they're soaking up information like a sponge. And we spent a lot of time driving with the family. My wife spent a whole lot more time than I did with the kids. So we went through two minivans. And finding things for the kids to do on long drives was kind of a survival tactic for staying sane. 
And we found that audiobooks were a great way of passing time. And I recall one trip we made, we were in the van for several hours with the three little kids. And my wife went to the library and found good, clean books on CD. And after listening to a few of them back to back, we arrived at our location. The time flew. And it also gave us something to talk about. It was really cool. And so that was a win for us. And reading to the kids was a favorite pastime for my wife. She read to our kids every day. And they all enjoyed listening to her read. And another trip with no audiobooks this time, she brought some books. And one of them she read to the kids was about a lady who at a young age wanted to be a missionary and ultimately ended up in the Philippines. Her story is crazy. What she went through and how God constantly provided her with what she needed when she didn't even know if the needs were going to be met was just amazing. And missionary stories like this, they're interesting, not just for the kids, but for all believers, especially for those who have a meltdown because their favorite coffee place closed down. It really puts things into perspective. Learn what other people went through to follow Jesus. It's amazing. It's a privilege. It just makes you more thankful for what we have now. So these are some things that worked for our family. They worked good. I'm glad we did them. And as a result, our family was blessed. Thank you.